This is the Six Figure Home Studio Podcast, Episode 103. You're listening to the Six Figure Home Studio Podcast, the number one resource for running a profitable home recording studio. Now your hosts, Brian Hood and Chris Graham. Welcome back to another episode of the Six Figure Home Studio Podcast. I am your host, Brian Hood, and I'm here with my bald, beautiful, amazing, purple-shirted co-host, Christopher J. Graham. Hi. Chris, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing fantastic, man. I We've had a little bit of a weird week, weird two weeks in the Graham household. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw on the television recently, but uh, we're not going to talk politics here, but... I got to bring up uh, just a little bit of politics here. Uh, the yeah. Democratic debate for the presidency was like three blocks from my house in Westerville, Ohio. That close? Yeah, it was. Gosh, Susan Sarandon came to town. I loved her and the stepmom. <laughs> so that's that's fun because um, I saw the all the all the hullabaloo hubble hullabaloo. I don't know the word hubble hubble space telescope hullabaloo. The hubba yeah, you know bubba. what I'm saying. I saw all of the the hype around it. Uh, it was like 4 a.m. I'm sitting at the airport, uh, about to fly to Mexico for a, a vacation, and they're talking about the Democratic debates going on. And I see Westerville, Ohio on the screen. I'm like, they're having this in Westerville, Ohio. It so was I texted crazy. You. Yeah, it was insanity. All these, uh, no offense if you're a wackadoo, but all these wackadoos left, right, the whole nine yards, and like I would. I tried to walk home from my office that day because I'm just right up the street. Mistake. And it was like, whoa, this is terrifying up here. There's like people running around with like machine guns and shit, like protesting stuff. And it reminded me of a story. No, these are just, just, just to clarify for our non-American listeners. Yeah. These were professional like police. No. With armed automatic weapons, think. right? No, these were just normal people. In America, uh, there's something called... <laughs> Wait, are, you, are you serious right now? No, it was... Uh, in America, it's legal to... It's called open carry. And yeah. you can bring a gun into public in most places. You couldn't bring it, like, by a school or something like that. But people were just, like, arguing in the street and, like, some so of them are... Like a- this is like a demonstration. Rifles. Yeah, this yeah. is a demonstration in their like gun rights. So this is the like super uh, conservatives showing up at the Democratic, which is the left yeah. side. Which reminds me of a story I haven't told on the podcast. Um, when I was in eighth grade, we did the Washington D.C. trip. A lot of school districts do this, and the, my Washington D.C. trip. Um, this is going to come back to machine guns and people. Our, and our school did this as well, by the way, okay. in Alabama. But I was too poor to go, so I didn't go. <laughs> <laughs> Well, anyway, so I went and I had a, a crush on this girl, Erin Elia, and I had her fr- my friend ask her out for me because I was in eighth grade and she <laughs> really shot me down hard. And I was like really depressed. She was cute. She was tall. And uh, so I'm at Washington in Washington, D.C. I'm like all kind of like bummed about this. And we go to tour the White House and I'm a freaking weirdo, especially as an eighth grader. Yeah, you don't have to preface this. I can only imagine... <laughs> Chris Christopher J. Graham in eighth grade because so, you're weird now. Yeah. So uh, it got awkward because I was like, well, I'm going to be on the road. I probably should bring some screwdrivers just in case I need them. <laughs> I, just, I just love the thought process. Of, I just in case I need some fucking screwdrivers. In case I need to like fix something. This is like my me. And so I've got my backpack and I've got the screwdrivers in it. We walk into the White House. We put my backpack and everybody else's backpack on the x-ray machine. And they're like, whoa, what the hell? Why do you have screwdrivers? And I was like, fix stuff. And they're like, we're going to take these. 
And I was like, oh, shit. Damn it. So I'm like pissed. We're walking through the White House and I'm just like angry. Like, what do they think I'm going to do? Like steal a outlet cover or something like that? And so we get out of the White House and we're out in front of the White House lawn and we're like on the other side of the fence. And I look through the fence and I can see this guy who I recognize. He's the guy who took my, my screwdrivers. And he's like talking to these Secret Service guys who are all holding machine guns. Uh, <laughs> Deutsches. Like the, you know, it's like the little like handheld nine millimeter machine gun that you have. Little ha- SMGs. Yeah, little SMGs like you uh, d- uh, bond on N64. It was like one of the best guns. This is what I imagined you were talking about when you said people with automatic weapons in the streets, not civilians. <laughs> well, these, so, these were real government employees. Welcome to America, y'all. <laughs> who should have had machine guns. Yeah. And they're talking to this guy who took my screwdrivers and I can tell that they hate him. I can tell that they despise this man. <laughs> I love that in eighth grade, you have the, the insight to know this <laughs> just by looking at the interaction and the, the body posture and all the, the, well, I use this to my advantage. So I yell through the fence at the white house to the guy and I say, Hey, I just got out of the white house. And when I went in there, you guys took my screwdrivers. How do I get those back? And this asshole walks over to the fence. and He's like, Oh yeah, where do you get those screwdrivers for? What kind of work do you do? And I can see that the guy, that the secret service with the machine guns are like this asshole and so i'm like i I think that these guys hate him and i think they'll have my back and so i pause and i say to the guy well his question was well what kind of work do you do with these screwdrivers and i said well you know a little bit of this a little bit of that mostly home repair and espionage and these dudes (laughs) with machine guns lose it like belly laugh at this guy And (laughs) and he gets all dejected and he goes into the white house and he gets my screwdrivers and he brings them back some <laughs> to me through the fence. And I was like, yes, yes, I got you, you grown up. It was awesome. It's like the highlight if, of my eighth grade year. If I can, I'm going to go back and add like victorious music that slowly builds up <laughs> until your triumph there. But we'll, we'll have to see there. Uh, side note, uh, I, I mentioned I just got I was going to Mexico during the Democratic debate, which was a while back. Uh, I spent a week in Mexico with my wife and was just completely off the grid, didn't do any kind of work, was just uh, an R&R week. And because of that, we are now four days away from this episode that we're recording today having to air. My assistant is in Germany. And so this is going to be our first attempt at a completely live podcast with no editing whatsoever. So (laughs) I love it. I think this is going to be. It's going to be good for us, Brian. What was it you told me to do? You said you got a Willy Wonka. It. If okay. you mess, just yes. yeah, tell. So Andy J. Pizza, who I share an office with, uh, he's got the creative pep talk podcast. He's an amazing creature. What a great guy. He barely edits anything. And what he's had to do is learn how to turn his mistakes into content when he's making his podcast. And he is, is amazing at it. And uh, we've talked about this a lot and I've learned a lot from him. And we kind of describe this as Willy Wonka. If you guys know the original Willy Wonka movie, Willy Wonka walks out of the factory and then he falls down the stairs and everyone's like, Oh my gosh, Willy Wonka. And then he springs up and like those ta-da and everyone's like, Oh my gosh, Willy Wonka. It's amazing. And it's this whole like, turn your crap, like turn your mistakes into great content. Yeah. Turning shit to gold. Yeah. There it is. Which by the way, if you would like to learn how to do that with your mixes, you can go from, you can go to, What's the URL, Brian? <laughs> it's from shittogold.com. I have a mixing course. <laughs> it's only for those who listen to heavy music, but that's not the point today. 
Let's move out of banter mode. And actually, the first story I've heard from you in a long time that you haven't told multiple times on the podcast, your fun screwdriver <laughs> story. Uh, let's move from that into valuable uh, content. Okay, uh, okay. F- for our podcast listeners, uh, a mere eight minutes into the episode. Ooh. So we are, as you can tell, we're, we have 102 previous episodes to this, uh, 103 now. And that is a massive amount of content in our backlog. And, and and I would say probably most people would think that's a, an information overload. I know if I find a podcast that has like a hundred episodes, I'm like, oh God, what are I, where do I start? A lot of people have binged through all 102 episodes as well. And if that is you, m- my best guess is that you've retained at best like 10% of the knowledge. But also and thank it, you because you also know more about us than our mothers do. This is true. Yeah, we <laughs> talked about this. We We don't talk about, we don't go into this personal detail. I don't talk to my family that much anyways. I see them on holidays and I talk to them from time to time, but I don't go into like personal dealings of like 100 hours see, worth of. Yeah. Yeah. You've, you've, you've spent a lot of time with us, but I, w- I wanted to go ahead and encourage you before we get into the topic today. And I'm, I promise this, this ties into the episode, go back and re-listen to whatever episodes cover things that you are currently struggling with. This mm. is a side note, completely side note, but there is something that I try to practice, which is just in time knowledge. Mm. Not nice, nice to have knowledge. Just in time knowledge is, hey, this is the thing I'm working on right now. This is the big thing that I'm trying to accomplish. What are the educational things that I can uh, consume in order to help myself with the thing I'm working on right now? Not the thing that I need to know in the future. And so I think a lot of our listeners could take that to heart and go back to our through our 102 or now 103 episodes and start uh, going through and focusing on just those things that you are working with right now. Totally. I for me. I think there's a transition when you kind of have this like come to Jesus moment where you're like, I'm going to self-educate. I'm going to teach myself how to grow my own business. At first, there's a lot of information that you're consuming. You're, you're taking like your 101 courses, if you will. You're learning all sorts of broad strokes about business. But then as your business begins to grow and you begin to apply, I think most people, myself included, flip to more of a just in time. I'm not going to read a book that I think might help me in five years, at least right now. I'm trying to read stuff that will help me now. And then eventually I would imagine there'll be some new stage of, of life in my own education, self-education journey. But yeah, it, it is a normal thing to transition from I'm trying to get the broad strokes. I'm trying to get the, the whole picture to I'm focused on what I need to move the needle today. Yes, absolutely. So why do I bring up the, pa- the, the past episode list, the 102 episodes that we have out? And it's because today's episode, we're going to cover something called the cone of learning. And another name for it is the learning pyramid. And I'm going to give a quick overview of it before we dive into this. But a learning pyramid, it's kind of like the hierarchy of needs uh, pyramid that we talked about several episodes ago, where if you can visualize a pyramid or a triangle, really, not a, not a 3D pyramid, but a triangle, and there are different methods of learning and some are more effective than others. Uh, and we're going to go through each of these real quick, and then we're going to go into depth of this. But at the top of the list, the very tippy top, the tiniest part of the pyramid at the very top is lecture. That is like somebody just talking to you and you sitting there and being lectured to something. That is the least effective way to learn things. Uh, less than 10% of knowledge is- uh, Retained. Or retained. Yeah, that's the word I'm looking for. The next down is reading, which is surprising to see. 10% of knowledge is retained when reading something. And then further down is audiovisual. So that's listening and reading at the same time. Or is it, no, it's looking, watching and, and listening uh, at the same time. So watching a video, that's 20%. Uh, of, of knowledge is retained. Then we get down the list of demonstration. So watching someone do something, uh, I believe that's kind of, is that what demonstration would be to you, Chris? Yeah. 
Yeah, it's like um, if you're in physics class in high school and the yeah. teacher's like, look, I'm going to do this thing. You know, and there's like yeah, a, when you put the baking soda in the hydrogen peroxide or whatever it is, it's vinegar, they, Brian, baking oh, sorry, soda yeah. in the vinegar. Yeah, that, there we go. <laughs> Thanks for, for cleaning up my shit. Hey, no, no problem. Uh, so that's 30% of knowledge is retained through demonstration and then discussion. So like a group discussion with people or even just a one-on-one discussion, that is 50% of knowledge retained. And then actually doing something, surprise, 70%, 75% of knowledge is retained when you actually go to do the thing. And then surprisingly, and this is the thing we're going to probably talk about the most towards the end of the podcast, mm-hmm. is teaching others to do something. When you teach someone to do something, 90% of knowledge is retained. And again, this is something called the learning pyramid or the cone of learning is what I'm going to call it for the rest of this episode. And this is the source of this, by the way, is the National Training Laboratory or Laboratory, depending on where you're from. <laughs> and so this is research-backed stuff. I don't know... To me, I'm kind of sketchy on like the specifics, like 10% exactly, 20% exactly is retained. But I'd say in general, this is the order of least effective to most effective learning methods. And I think there's a lot that Chris and I can distill in this topic to, to take away for our listeners to this podcast. Totally. And here's why this is important to you. It's 2019, or at least when we recorded this episode, it's 2019. And never in the history of humanity has more information been available to you, listener, you're trying to grow a business. You're trying to win your freedom. You're trying to be gainfully unemployed, that cheesy you know, kind of phrase there. The way to do that is to self-educate. The way to do that is to take responsibility for what you know and to not outsource that to other people and to start reading, to start listening to podcasts, to start watching YouTube videos, to start all the things. Your ability to take information in and then keep it and then synthesize it into real world scenarios or I, I learned this thing and now I'm going to actually go out and do it. Or I learned these two things and I'm going to combine them into this other new thing to grow my business. This is the single best thing you can do, not just to grow a business, but to become a better artist, to become a better husband, to become a better wife. Everything that you want to do is basically information in retention and then synthesis. So what if I want to become a better lover, Chris? Is this the same thing? Oh, yeah, because if you forget all the stuff that you learn, when it comes time, it'll be awkward. <laughs> I was like, where's Chris going to go with this? <laughs> no, I'm not, yeah, right. not going not to push no, that too I was too like, where's he going to go with this? We're not editing this out, Chris. This is an unedited episode. <laughs> so uh, before we get into the, the, the meat of this episode, we're gonna t- I'm going to tell you a story, Chris. Mm, uh, do, you know, do you know, just by hearing the phrase, do you know what revision hell is? Not only do I, but I also had a visceral internal reaction of, oh, I'm thinking about one particular client right now. Okay. You don't have to go into the details because again, we're not (laughs) editing it out. So if you, if you release any personal information and piss somebody off, it's going to be in the episode and I'm not going to do anything about it. So revision hell, this is a, this is a story of my, one of my biggest revision hells and what I did to try to fix it. And ultimately what, what the best uh, result that came from that. So revision hell, I was working with a client. I was sending uh, a mix to them there. I'll I'll say the country they're from. I won't say anything else. I've worked with a lot of bands from this country. So this is an Australian band I was working with years and years and years ago. So this is long enough to take Mm. the sting out. And I sent them a mix. And what I got back was um, the, one of the, one of the biggest walls of texts I've ever seen in an email. (laughs) And it's in, in, it's always the type of person that sends this many revisions back. It's always a block of text, no spacing, no formatting, it's just a, just a 
long 3,000 word wall of text. Which you only retain about 10% of as we previously discussed and we'll That's go right. into more. That's right. Reading is a 10%. Yeah. So thank you, Chris, for bringing this back to the, the, the episode topic. So I get a long list and I am like, I think it's impossible not to get this many revisions back and not be deeply offended as a mixing engineer. Huh. It's just absolutely <laughs> impossible. So I, I do what any sane person does. I copy those to a, a, like an Evernote file or a Google Doc and I space them out and format them and arrange them so that I can actually tackle them in a, in a systematic fashion. And I go through, I knock off revisions. I have to then copy and paste revisions that I had questions about back into an email, ask them, what the hell do these mean? What do you actually want here? Please be more descriptive and go back and forth through three more th- email threads before I got to the bottom of that. <laughs> and then I sent them mix two back. What do you think happens in mix two, Chris? Did they prefer mix one? <laughs> They might as well have because they sent revisions that completely went against the things I had done in mix one uh, into mix two, completely negating most of the revisions they asked for through another thick wall of text that I had to then paste into a Google Doc, space apart, put into an organized fashion, and then keep track through bolds or strike throughs or underlines or whatever to know what revisions I did and didn't <laughs> do, and then copy and paste into an email asking for clarification on 10 other vague revisions uh, or timestamps that were wrong. And then you're hurting me. You're yeah, hurting it, me, Brian. <laughs> and I, I'm going to tell you, I tell you this because this was over 30 pages. If you just copy and paste it, because I still have these revisions. This is like over Are 30 pages of revisions in Google docs. Yes. Kidding me. 7,000 words over a two month period, seven revisions that I did on this. Can I ask and a this, question? So, yeah. Were the revisions from the drummer? There were some from the drummer. <laughs> <laughs> no, no context so, no explanation for that continue yeah. please <laughs> so let me just say this this was my 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 quote noon improved revision system it used to be like bands would message me through a bunch of different areas eventually i said one member sends me one email mm. and that's all and i thought that would fix this revision hell problem it didn't <laughs> and so fast forward uh a couple things i did with that and i'm going to get to the resolution here a couple things i did first is i set a three revision limit to keep people mm. from after after the third set of revisions I could point back every single revision they sent after revision number three to things they specifically asked me to do. And now they're asking me to undo. So there was no progress made. The mix is Mm. one of my least favorite mixes I've ever done. And so three revision limit, anything after that I charge for, and I never had to go past that since then. Uh, I will do any revisions past that that I mess up if it's something that I personally actually messed up. And then now we have a brand new app that has solved all of this revision hell for me, and that is File Pass. We've talked about this on the podcast before. Now, if I were to work with this band again, here's what I would have to do, Chris. I would send them one link to their project, and I would say, hey, email me when you're done, leaving me revisions. And now I could just go into File Pass and see song by song the exact timestamps of exactly where each revision should be. Not only that, I can simply check them off on our back end via a checklist to know when I've done them. And then for the ones that I didn't really understand what the hell they're talking about, I can just reply to the comment and start a thread. How much easier is that than That's revision brilliant. hell? Yeah. That's the best pitch for file pass that I've ever heard. That was so good. This was when we were making file pass in the early stages of it. This, this band is this, this revision hell project is the exact one I had in mind. So that's my revision <laughs> hell story, Chris. That's amazing. Well, in the spirit of the moment, I have a story. 
I got a shout out to my dude, Jesse Ray Mix. He's on Instagram at Jesse, J-E-S-S-E-R-A-Y-M-I-X. He hit me up on Instagram. I'm looking him up right now. I'm sorry. He's dope. You. He's got a lot of followers. He's a very good mix engineer. And he posted a story the other day. That I'm going to pause you real quick. His, his Instagram will be in our show notes at sixfigurehomestudio.com slash 103. That's 103. Along with uh, the, the cone of learning just the visual reference for this episode too. So disarray mix, his Instagram handle will be there as well. Can you also put the home phone number of the person who gave you the, the uh, 7,000 word? <laughs> put his address, <laughs> home phone number, social security number, credit card. I, I'm going to put it all. I'm just going to put him on blast and ruin his life. No, I'm not going to do that. So Jesse is a new father um, from what I can gather. He just had his first kid and he posted something on Instagram. And he tagged me on it the other day. Uh, he had recently downloaded Bounce Butler and uh, let me read this to you guys here real quick. Uh, I was so amazed at the feedback that he had for me here. And I think it, it's, it's worth me reading because it's the exact scenario uh, that I was looking for. Brian, stall for time since we're not, Oh, I got it. I got it. Okay. I was okay. going to say, I've got, I'm going to stall for time. He's got 11,900 followers on Instagram, which happens to be the exact same amount of followers that I have. So he, what? he's, he's my Instagram brother. That's amazing. He's my Instagram brother. Yep. Well, he posted a video of him using Bounce Butler and he wrote, the future is now. I just use an automated app called Bounce Butler to bounce out an entire album of alternate mixes and stems. I left the studio to go hang out with my baby. When it finished, it texted my phone. There were no errors. That is sick. He got dad time in because of my app, Brian. That's the coolest thing I've ever heard. I was so pumped. Yeah. I'm seeing, I'm seeing him. He's got a, he's got a video on his Instagram of he's got the little like baby strap on thing where it's yep. like the baby strapped to his yep. stomach around his shoulders, like the reverse backpack. And he's playing piano, uh, which is cute. So definitely, uh, getting to spend more time with his kids. Thanks to bounce Butler. Dude, that's I like made my day. I was like, that's the, the whole reason I invented this in the first place was so I could spend more time with my kids. It's beautiful. And, and now to be able to help other people do that. Love it. Uh, Bounce Butler is in free beta. You can go download it and start uh, having more time with your kids if you're a dad or a mom or, or something. Or your video games if you're or a that too. millennial. Or <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. So bouncebutler.com, check it out. It's great. It's being used all over the world right now. All right, well, let's transition into the meat of our episode. We're going to go back to the cone of learning. Oh, yeah. Uh, and that is um, the levels of effective learning. And, and again, the reason we're talking about this is because there's so much content out in the world. There's blogs, there's podcasts, there are books, there are courses, there are um, membership sites, there are live webinars. There's all sorts of things you can do to learn new things. But A, what's the, what's the most and least effective way to learn these things? And B, what can, we, what can we learn about this cone of learning and this learning pyramid? What can, we, what can we take away from this to improve our own learning ability? Because I can't tell you how many times I've read a book and I couldn't tell you a single thing that I took away from that book. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the thing that's so exciting about this. When you learn something and then you're able to apply it in your life and in your business, it's a foundational building block that you get to build on for years in advance. The reason I got obsessed with playing the guitar when I was 13, right before the Washington DC trip <laughs> in the eighth grade I got a guitar for my 13th birthday and uh, uh, there's more, there's more to that story. I'll get to that on a, on a I mean, future is this, episode. Is this that there's more to this story 
to it, come in the future? Yeah, there, a cliffhanger, or did you just forget the story and you're no, trying to cover I didn't. It for it? I was just I didn't want to throw my family under the bus. It, okay, <laughs> the, it, it got weird uh, right around this time in my life. Anyways, I got a guitar and I remember learning a G chord and thinking to myself, "Cool, I play guitar now. I just learned a G chord. These seem pretty important, and I bet I'll still be using this." When I'm like 37 years old, I was right. I still play G chords all the time. And so you learn something at a young age and when it's good information and you retain it, you get to build on top of it. You get to learn G seventh chords and G sus chords and more G seven chords. But anyways, that's my point. So if you can optimize the way that you learn and the way that you retain what you stand to gain by optimizing how you retain information is banana cakes. You think about Neo in the Matrix and, you know, he's learning about the Matrix and, you know, they plug him into the thing and he's like, I, I know Kung Fu, show me, you know, like there's this something amazing in that movie about Neo's ability to learn so quickly through some sort of direct computer interface, but there's still the issue of retention. If we can figure out how to retain information, building businesses, the reason you're listening to this podcast gets a whole lot easier. Yeah, I like what you said, how it kind of stacks on top of each other, because again, there is a minimum amount of knowledge you have to understand about certain things yeah. to learn the next step in that process. Absolutely. And if, if, if you can continue on uh, continually teaching yourself new things, but also doing it in an effective way, that's the key, an effective way, you can have a compounding effect to your, uh, to your education. So let's move into this. Um, Starting at the top of the cone of learning, again, if you want to see a visual representation of this, just go to the sixfigurehomestudio.com slash 103, and you'll see the image of the, the learning pyramid or the cone of learning. And at the top of this is lecture. And this, this is really surprising to me and probably one of the reasons uh, why, the, why the college education system is probably going to implode <laughs> sometime in the near future, uh, partially because of the debt bubble. That. Yeah, well, we're not going to get into that right now because that's a way too long of a conversation. But part this surprises me because this is one of the the this is one of the main ways people learn in, in college. At least from my understanding, is you just yeah, attend college lectures, right? I didn't go to college, so I don't know. I've just seen it on movies. Yeah, it's a lot of like sit there, take notes, listen, maybe ask some questions. Most of college is lectures. Most of it. Here's the funny thing about lectures. Let me kind of go off on a rant here. When you go to a lecture. Pretty good chance that the person that you're listening to speak is not in the top 1,000 people in their field. Very good chance. Unless you're like Harvard, Stanford, or Princeton, or something like that, they're not in the top 1,000 people in their field. Number two, you cannot optimize for time. Time meaning how you feel. Are you in a good mood? Are you feeling healthy? Are you well-rested? Are you hydrated? Have you used the bathroom recently like if you're enough? In, if you're in college, the answer to all those things are no. It's a big no. Yeah, it's a big yeah. no. You can't press pause on a lecture. You're there. It's happening live. And if you're like, oh, I need to go, to go to the bathroom, guess what? You can either hold it or miss part of the lecture. Yep. So this is why I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised this is the least effective method of learning. Yeah. What surprises me is that the most expensive form of education centers around this least effective method of learning. Hands down. But the catch there is it is the most expensive form of learning, but the lecturer probably makes some of the least of any educators percentage wise. Let, think about all the money that all the kids and, you know, I would go to classes in college. There'd be 250 people sitting in a giant lecture hall, each one of them paying, I think what ended up being like hundreds of dollars per hour or something crazy like that. 
to have the right to attend this lecture and to get college credit for this course. Which is funny because one student out of that 250 could more than pay for that that uh, exactly. salary. Yeah. Yeah. But the lecturer is up there getting paid like $47,000 per year, but they're generating untold millions for the college. It's a really weird, antiquated, broken system. Not that their lectures have no point. I recently went and saw a lecture that Andy J. Pizza did. It was awesome. Andy is without a doubt in the top 1,000 people in his field as far as understanding how to integrate creativity in business, yeah. without a doubt. And it was amazing. It was super fun. A lecture at its best when you're listening to somebody who's amazing is incredible. Now, we mentioned this earlier. There's a difference between a lecture and a podcast. Yeah, I was going to say, does this, does this put podcasts in the lecture category? Because essentially... Chris and I, are we lecturing people right now? We kind of are. A little bit. We're just talking through things in a hopefully not boring method, but it's probably boring as shit. Yes, but you can multitask while you listen to us talk. You're driving your car, you're walking some dogs, you're exercising, you're at the gym. That's great for convenience, but is that good for learning? That's the question. Mm. It might even be less effective than lectures, but you made a good point. <laughs> you made a good point. Uh, point number one is you can, you can play, pause, and rewind. Yeah. Podcasts. So if you don't catch something, uh, you're able to like go back and hear it again. The second thing is you you control the mental state you're in when you listen to podcasts. Huge. It's not the same on live lectures. Huge. Yeah. yeah. I tell you what, man, I, I, I minored in music theory in college. And the music theory class was at the top of a giant hill at eight o'clock in the morning on, I want to say, Tuesdays and Thursdays. And so you'd have to wake eight o'clock in the morning for a 19 year old is real early, at least for me. And so I would get there and just be like, I am not primed to learn sort of in the same way of like, if you're going to exercise, you should probably be primed to exercise. You should have enough protein, you have enough water, you've had enough rest and it'll go so much better and you'll get so much faster or stronger or more talented or whatever it happens to be so much more quickly by being properly primed. That's sort of the problem with a lecture is it's like, Hey, it's at this time, it's at this place. And Oh yeah, it costs a ton of money. Oh, you don't have enough money. Don't worry. We'll loan you the money, but if you don't pay us back, no matter what, we will come for that money. We will come for that student loan. Well, I, I, again, I don't want to, to, to yeah, harp too sorry. much on colleges because this is not this episode. <laughs> but okay, so that's lectures. It's the least effective, at least as of uh, the source, which is National Training Laboratories. Uh, they say that's the least effective. And I would have to agree just based on yeah. my my own experience as someone who has learned through a lot of different methods. So let's move on down the pyramid here to a more effective uh, method of learning. And that is reading. This is still pretty ineffective in the grand scheme of things because they say the student's average retention rate is 10% through reading. Let me put a little caveat here. This is average student retention rates. Here's the problem with big education. What the hell is an average student? Everybody has some weirdo special ability and some weirdo special issue. For some yep. people, they're going to retain a lot more than 10%. And for That's others, you. they're going to, yeah. Yeah, you, you can quote specific lines from books you read like five years ago. I have a hard time just giving you a rough summary of a book I'm reading now. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what's up with that, but thank yeah. God. Yeah, it's it's nice. So some of this, like we're talking about averages, there could be some problems in the research here and you could be different than average in some areas. For some people, you might be like 100 out of 100 retention 
on certain systems. And, and they, t- they talk about this as, as, as far as learning styles go. But average speaking, and, and this, so this should dictate somehow, it should dictate some of what you learn. Um, but the reading thing, it is different. It is different than a lecture. You do get to optimize for time. One of the things I love to do, um, and man, I really need to get back into it. I haven't been doing it much lately. But when I'm learning the most, I am optimizing for like, I'm going to go read for 20 minutes or for 15 minutes. And I'm going to read until I don't feel like I'm retaining. And then I'm going to stop. And then I'm going to go about my life and get, get back to 100%, fill my gas tank all the way up. I'm going to read a little bit more until I don't feel like I'm retaining anymore. And then I'm going to move on with my life. I'm not going to like push through and do this like, you know, I'm going to read until I fall over and pass out. That's silly. You're not retaining at that point. Yeah. And I have a similar, similar routine where I, I have an hour earmarked every morning from eight to nine for my reading time. And I don't always get to that full hour. Sometimes I'm 30, 45 minutes in and I'm like, I'm done. <laughs> so I think it differs for everybody. And I think I'm going to talk about some things that I do to improve my reading comprehension and retention. But it's, it, it ties into some of the things later down this list, so I'm not going to get to them yet. But I'm just going to say there are things you can do. And I would say that the content matters a lot. If you're reading a college textbook, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not at all surprised that it's 10% or less on average. But if you're le- reading like The Go-Giver or a parable, I, yeah. I'd be surprised if you're not at 75, 80% retention on something like that because it's yeah. really just driving one main point, And that's not to be a stingy bastard, basically. Well, and there's two big differences between reading and lecturing, other than the obvious, like one's speaking, one's reading. When you're reading, you're probably reading something by someone who's in the top 1,000 people in their field. That's how they true. got published. True. Number two, they have an editor. Also true. Huge. When you have a lecturer and they get up there, they're the only person who works for the university that's there. And if they say something totally untrue, there's no one there to call them on it except students. Yep, this is why it's so important that I'm your podcast co-host because I have to call <laughs> you on so much shit. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Well, vice versa. I mean, like the yeah. fact that we have two people, we're so much smarter together than we are on our own. Well, I never say anything wrong on this podcast, Chris. When, no, that's name true. one time you've corrected me. Um, I can't do it. Yeah, you're right. I'm just joking. I, say, I make up words and shit all the time. You know this. <laughs> Concentric circles. I couldn't circles. even say, I still don't know if I'm saying it. Hullabaloo. That's a word. Hubba, bubba. That's what, what's that, all the hubba, bub? What's all Anyways, the hubba, let's, let's, move, okay. let's move down the list here. So we talked about lecture, which is less than 10% uh, re- retention. Reading, which is around 10% on average retention. Next, we get to audio visual. And there's two forms of audio visual. I think uh, that one would be like YouTube videos or tutorial videos mm-hmm. where you're seeing something. I think another one, which is very surprising that I didn't, I've never done this and you mentioned this and I knew it existed on the back of my head, but hadn't, I just hadn't done it yet. And I think most of our listeners would be surprised to hear this. You can pull up the Kindle app on your mobile device. Let me, t- let me share this one. Just this share it because it's your, okay. it's your little it hack. Mine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't know if you guys know this. Uh, we're not sponsored by Audible though. Based on my experience listening to other media, we probably should be because they're like the number one sponsor of everything. Um, if you download a book on Audible and you buy the Kindle book and you listen to the book on Audible while you have the Kindle version of that book open, it will show you which word is being read aloud in Audible on your Kindle. So you can read and listen at the same time. It's banana cakes awesome. Well, let me, let me touch on that. First of all, I think it's bullshit. You have to buy both I agree. <laughs> versions of the I book. Agree. I hate that. But I want to say we could kind of be sponsored by 
by Audible because if you go to the sixfigurehomestudio.com slash Audible, that's my affiliate link that gets you that gets <laughs> you one get any of that money though. Come on. That gets you one free download. <laughs> and I think it puts $15 in my bank account. I don't remember how much it is. Well, let me pause and say something. Because I know some of you are like, buy both the books. I'll never do that. Like, I'm, that's awful. Hey, let me say, uh, I'm going to defend, you defend after I talk about this. Okay. If it doubles your retention rate to, from 10% to 20%, then call Great it, a, call it a wash. However, let's look at, let's say you buy the Kindle version of the Go-Giver and you buy the Audible version of the Go-Giver. We love the Go-Giver here. You're going to be in for what, 20 bucks, 25 bucks, maybe 30 at the most. And you're going to get four hours, three hours, two hours. I don't even know what it's going to be of absolutely first rate business education for 25 bucks. Do you know how much lecture you can get for 25 bucks at a popular college? N- not at all. Like, a, I don't even know if you could get like, like a couple minutes, maybe. Excuse me, sir. Do you, do you allow lecture by the minute here? <laughs> So, um, yeah, so audiovisual, I love this hack. I, I want to say one thing. If you're going to go with Audible, always do a cost-benefit analysis. I think Audible is like 15 bucks a month for a credit, and you use credits to buy books. But sometimes it's cheaper just to pay for the book outright than it is to use one of your credits up. So mm. if you're using multiple book, buying multiple books per month, it's sometimes better just to outright buy the book on Audible than it is to use your $15 credit. So make sure you're comparing the two. Yes, but keep in mind... Like let's 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 zoom out here and let's look at like the past hundred years of of history. Do you have any idea how freaking hard it was to get a book one hundred years ago, or even even better, one hundred and fifty or two hundred years ago? Libraries are a pretty new thing, especially in our country. Like they're they're only what like two hundred years old, one hundred and fifty years old. Where Carnegie really started to fund them and really started to, to build a lot of them. Carnegie for our listeners who don't know what the hell Carnegie is. It's the, impro- I, I, it's the improper I it's pronunciation. The, I know the proper, you say the proper pronunciation is Carnegie, but no one says that. Carnegie. So therefore yeah. it's Carnegie. You're right. Because sorry. that's what everyone says. I read it's in like the book. It's like Genghis Khan and Genghis Khan. No one says Genghis Khan, but that's the way you're supposed to say yeah. it. Yeah. But my point here is that books are historically super rare and incredibly expensive. We live in one of the most desirable times in history because I can get on Amazon and I can either begin reading the book right now on my iPhone, or I can buy it for almost nothing compared to what books historically cost, and it'll be here tomorrow. Yep. Crazy. Yep. So let's move on down the list here. We're going from audiovisual, which is 20% retention rate, down to the next most effective learning method, and that is via demonstration, mm. which is a 30% retention rate. I'm, I don't know exactly what they mean by demonstration. Yeah. I, I'd say YouTube videos could be demonstration or it could be audiovisual. I think it depends on the content. For, for, do you have something to add to this, Chris? Because it's yeah. this is a little convoluted in my opinion. The next item on this list is discussion. Mm-hmm. And what's funny about lectures, demonstration, and discussion is depending on the size of the audience, the size of the classroom, you're going you're gonna to skew towards lecture or you're going to skew towards discussion. If there's seven people in the class, that lecture is going to become a discussion. If there's 250 people in the class, it's a lecture. There's not like a whole lot of room for like, yeah, but uh, what if in a scenario, like there's not a whole lot of conversation about that. Demonstration, I think, is somewhere between lecture and discussion where there probably is some discussion going on. I had a teacher in high school named Mr. Maffey. Maffey was the freaking man. He was my pole vaulting coach as well as my uh, advanced physics teacher senior year. And he would do all kinds of great, uh, great demonstrations. One time he took a, a glove and he, he took a hot dog and he stuck it in the thumb of the glove. 
And then he like brought out a thing of liquid nitrogen and then he pretended to dip his thumb in the glove into the liquid nitrogen and then he took a hammer and he smashed his thumb off and little bits of pink flesh, which were actually hot dog, unbeknownst to us, flew all over the classroom and all the girls are like, oh, I got him. And, you know, he, he broke his thumb off. But that was a demonstration and like it really kind of brought home like, oh, wow, I'll never forget liquid nitrogen as long as I live because I thought Mr. Matthew, uh broke his thumb it was great so like that type of education can be stickier if that makes sense yeah because again it's not a lecture it is a demonstration and i think certain things lend itself better to demonstration than others like i it's hard to give demonstrations on some of the principles we talk about on the podcast but if i were teaching like golf i could lecture you about golf you could read about the golf swing you could watch videos for audiovisual about golfing but until I demonstrate a proper golf swing to you, it's going to be really difficult for you to grasp how to properly swing a golf club. And until you actually, and we're going to skip on down the list here, until you actually practice doing, I can't imagine you're going to be able to get any sort of effective golf swing. So something like golf really is a good way to visualize this entire learning pyramid. But you know, teaching business principles is a little more difficult to get to the demonstration portion of this. So again, it some learning methods lend themselves better to certain topics than others. And that's part of understanding this entire learning pyramid is that not all things are going to be applicable here. Yeah. Well, I would say in our industry, you know, if you're an audio engineer and I'm aware that a lot of people that listen to this podcast aren't for some reason, there's a ton of people who listen to this podcast who are taking what we teach for audio and applying it to their own businesses. Yo, that's cool. That's super cool. I've had so many people reach out and mention that to me. Yeah, a lot of video. I've gotten a lot of messages from like videographers or video people, people who do other free. I mean, any freelance business can presumably listen to this podcast. Look at what we're talking about right now, the learning pyramid. This is applicable to even college students. This is applicable to anyone who has to learn something. Yeah. Well, one of the things I would say in our industry, um, we complain about the issues in audio education from as far as college degrees all the time on this podcast. We are suspicious uh, that times they are a change in slightly faster than education is that being said there is a there's a lot of benefit to watching someone demonstrate compression if you don't understand compression it really helps a lot to have someone there that's actually doing it especially when there's discussion involved yeah so demonstration can be really effective in our industry especially with the sort of like technician skills that are required to to have any sort of success All right, so let's move on down the list now to the next level, the next most effective learning method, and that is discussion. This is a 50% retention, average average retention uh, in this study. And no surprise here, the discussion allows you to really get to the bottom of things you don't understand. Whereas a lecture is one way, discussion is two way. And I think this is a no brainer here. How, How would you really take learning from business perspectives here and bring it to a discussion is that's yeah. that's hard to do. Most of us don't really surround ourselves with other audio people to discuss stuff, but I think, uh, I, I want to, I can say right now off the top of my head, a mastermind group is fantastic for this sort of thing. Absolutely. And I, I would say there's a couple different opportunities for this. One is mastermind groups. Two is coaching. Um, th- three might be like mentorship. There's all kinds of different ways where discussion starts to come into play when, when the problem is, Hey, I have a passion. I have a skill. I want a business. When I'm doing business coaching, um, and I'll talk more about this later on in the episode, um, I am going to be taking on some more people and working with them directly because it's been a blast. And I'll talk about why that is when we get to the very bottom of this pyramid. 
But when it comes to discussion, I think a really good business coach, a really good business coach's job is to ask great questions. And in a great discussion, what's going on there is people are saying, well, what about in this scenario? Or, well, what would you do if this happened? Those questions start to stimulate you to think outside of the box, to challenge you. And a good coach or a, a good anybody is say, able- not just coaching here because yeah. you can you can you can do all of this with somebody you're just having a coffee with someone yeah. who's in your industry that you've been wanting to connect with and you just form a friendship and you're just talking about the industry, whether it's, you're talking about gear, hopefully you're not talking about gear too much because that's not what makes this business work. Or you're talking about different things you're learning on the podcast. I mean, this is hell. I didn't even think about this, but if I were starting from the beginning of my career right now, I would have a mastermind group or just a, a small friend group that met up weekly and discussed <laughs> each week's episode of the six figure home studio podcast mm, kind of like a that. book discussion. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think that's some of the benefit of our Facebook group is that sometimes we say crazy stuff on this podcast. Like Ooh. you should have a call to action at the end of your record on Spotify. And then people discuss it and people raise uh, opinions or they say, Oh, I love that. Or oh, I don't know if that would work. Or, Oh, did you know that this one guy from the nineties used to do that? Like there's all kinds of discussion well, I, I think this is a perfect opportunity for us to pitch. If you've been listening to this podcast for a long time and have thought, I don't want to be part of this stupid Facebook group, I'm with you. I hate Facebook. It's terrible, except for the Six Figure Home Studio community and probably for Make Pop Music as well. It's pretty, it's pretty dope. That's, but, a, good, yeah, that's a good group. There's, a, there's actually a good handful of, I'd say there, Facebook yeah. groups are the, are, in general, Facebook groups are the, like the bright point of Facebook. So. Right, because they're dedicated to discussion. Yes, which is 50% average retention. And so- I, I didn't even think about this before the episode, but yeah, if you are wanting to discuss things you learn on this episode or things you're working on or things you're trying to retain, bring it to a discussion in our Facebook community and you'll start having a much easier time recalling things down the road when you th need to actually use that information. Yeah. Here's one of the things I would say too about our Facebook group. It's- What would you say, Chris? It's pretty safe. It's this not is a, true. We, it's not a trolley. Yeah. I don't have a problem dropping the band hammer if I have to. <laughs> we- I've seen, let me see here, three times where I've been like, what the hell is this guy talking about in our Facebook group? One of them was uh, about a week ago. I, m I made a post about something. I won't say what. And this guy like came in and was like, this is stupid. I was like, what are you, okay, why are you here? And uh, so there, there isn't, occasionally we get those people. But if you come in and say, hey, Brian and Chris said this. I don't know if I totally agree. What do you guys think about that? Nobody's going to jump on you. Nobody's, well, nobody's, it's not a trolley area. And I think that's one of the reasons I've always been hesitant to get involved in Facebook groups that are specific to a certain topic, because some of the times there are certain Facebook groups where, uh, you know, you, uh, these, they, they will remain unnamed, but there are certain like audio related Facebook groups where you go in them and you express an opinion and you would think that you were advocating for some sort of like, <laughs> like mass incarceration or something like that. Yeah. It, it can get really nasty. Not in our Facebook group. We don't allow nope. it. We kick you out if you're being an asshole. So if you want to join that, just finally, just go do it on your phone right now. The sixfigurehomestudio.com slash community or just search Facebook for the Six Figure Home Studio community. It's yep. free. So let's move on down the list here. Uh, this is the next one, uh, practice doing. This is the biggest jump in... Uh, learning so far, we go from 50%, which is discussion, 50% of average uh, retention to 75% average retention if you actually implement the thing you're trying to learn. Mm. 
This is huge, man. There's so much that's been written and discussed about this. Malcolm Gladwell popularized an idea called the 10,000 hour rule in his book, The Outliers. And it's this idea that once you do something for 10,000 hours, that then you achieve mastery. And he wrote a follow-up book sort of called Blink. And after 10,000 hours, you develop this like superhuman ability to like glance at uh, something in your industry and be able to like divine all of these you know, things about it and know things just at, at a moment's notice. Yeah, we've talked about this recently in the podcast where you can listen to a master and you'll know within seconds yeah. what that master needs. Yeah. It's not because I'm talented. It's because I've got my 10,000 hours. Yeah. You know? So practice doing. So this is why I advocated near the beginning of this episode, going back and re-listening to the episodes of the things that you are currently struggling with or the current things you're currently trying to implement in your business. Just-in-time education lends itself well to then go and practice those things you just learned so that you actually retain it long-term. If all you do is binge through the episodes of this podcast or binge through a bunch of videos in a course or binge through an entire book without implementing anything or practicing doing anything, that is where you start to just hoard knowledge that doesn't get retained. Mm. And this is what I talk about things I do when reading to help retain knowledge. This is it. I practice doing. While I'm reading a book, I'm reading a book right now called Obviously Awesome. It's a book on positioning. And as I'm going through the book, I'm actually taking notes in Evernote, which is audiovisual, or not audiovisual. It's uh, what would it be actually? It's kind of visual, reading visual. I don't know. I, yeah. I don't know how to categorize it. Multimedia. Kind of there. Multimedia. Sure. It's it's taking it from one area, distilling it down to my own words onto a Evernote file, and then working through actual things she's talking about doing in the book. So now I'm actually practicing doing while I'm reading. So I'm getting through this book very slowly, but I'm doing it as I go, which is great. Well, you left, you left out a piece of that. There is so. other things that you're doing to help yourself retain oh, that book. I didn't even think about that. So discussion, yeah. discussion, and I'm actually teaching. I didn't even think about that. I'm teaching. So I don't know if any of us, any of the Facebook community has Marco, Marco Polo, which is like a, is it Marco? It's just Marco, I think is what it's Marco called. Marco Polo. Facebook. That's what the app or is it's not called. Facebook. It's a, uh, it's a non-Facebook. It's an app on iPhone, probably Android. It's like a, wa a video walkie-talkie, essentially, where you can just chat back and forth via video and just to like to friends or to groups. And then you can play the videos back just whenever you get to your time. And so I, I don't know how else to put it, but I'll go through and Chris and I, along with my co-founder for FilePass, Trevor, will I'll go on there and I'll just teach as I'm reading this and discuss the things I'm taking away from this book chapter by chapter as I'm going through it. And it's actually gotten some really good discussion going in this little- Oh, yeah. Uh, been great. This little Marco community that you and I have, little Marco mastermind, as I'll call it. It so is. I'm, yeah, I'm literally doing reading and then uh, discussion and then writing down and practicing and kind of teaching at the same time because I'm like talking to how these things apply to you, Chris, for Bounce Butler and for your studio. So it's very interesting how you can incorporate all this into one holistic thing. Yeah. Well, speaking of Marco Polo, um, I have recently began to inco incorporate Marco Polo into the business coaching thing that I do, specifically because of my experience with you and Trevor. It's yeah. been amazing. Like scheduling a time for a mastermind is a little bit challenging to find some time where it's like, okay, everyone's available. But with Marco Polo, you know, like you made a video this morning about like, hey, you know, I'm trying to figure out how to position file pass, whether we should, you know, call it this or call it that. And you made the video and then, you know, a while later I watched it and made a ridiculous response of what I thought to it. And then, you know, there was this, a discussion around that. 
it's so easy to kind of have like a mastermind going on in the background and you can listen at 2x speed to oh, the videos. So good. Yeah, it's so dope. So I've, when I've been doing the business coaching thing, the w- initial way that I launched it was uh, via email. And what I've started to do, um, excuse me, I didn't launch it via email. It would be like we'd hang out over video chat and then there'd be follow-up emails as a result. Mm-hmm. What I found is I don't, the emails had, weren't as helpful as I thought they would be to people. And I think switching to more of a video chat via Marco Polo model is much more interesting and much more engaging. It makes it a, me a lot more accessible to ask a question. Hey, I'm trying to, I'm trying to build up the system that we talked about and I'm struggling with it. What, what should I do about this? So I'm obsessed with the Marco Polo thing. I think Marco Polo is one of the coolest apps I've ever used. Yeah, I use it when traveling a lot just to yeah. stay in touch with friends and family. But I've never seen anyone using it for for business coaching before. It it's sounds awesome. like it's brilliant. When you said that, I was like, that makes so much sense. Because <laughs> think about it, it like takes it takes forever to write up an email and spell yeah. check it, like Edit it for and... not just you but your students, and to type up a thoughtful reply. Like instead, it's just like they shoot you a video when they're struggling with something, and you shoot a reply when there's when 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 you find time to do it. Yeah, there's also a component of with the written word with email. Tone is is difficult. Oof, Am I yeah. like, is he being aggressive or is he being like? I, I can't tell from these words. There's this not enough emojis. My wife and I have had since day one of our relationship a no texting during argument rule. Aww. We do not allow texts in arguments, so it's only like on phone or in person. Everyone should for do that, that exact reason. That's great advice. Yeah, I think yeah, any couple should do that. So let's move on down to the final most effective way to retain information. And that is through teaching others. 90% average retention when you teach others. And I think it goes without saying, I've already talked through this, but as I'm learning, I'm teaching. And I think, man, I wish more, I wish more people did that. And I, I want to say one, one of my favorite things that I watch, like I see from podcasts I follow or blogs that I read regularly, these are not like guru style, like experts on the subject. All these blogs are doing or all these podcasters are doing is teaching the things they're learning as they're learning them. And not only does that make for really good content and really good uh, education for me as someone who's going through that same journey the same time they are, but it helps those people retain information. And that's, that's what Chris and I get to do on this podcast too. As we learn new stuff, we're bringing it to the, to the podcast and teaching it. And therefore we're retaining it, uh, through our, so this is almost a selfish motive here. We're getting to teach the stuff we learn and that's helping us retain our knowledge as we're teaching it. So I I think a a good call to action for our community would be as you're learning stuff, do a long form post on our Facebook community, teaching something you just learned and maybe a takeaway from something as you've practiced doing it, a takeaway you learned, and that's going to help you retain information so much. And it's going to have a double, uh, a double good thing. And that's going to help our community learn as this as you're learning as well, because it's good that Chris and I can teach on this podcast. It's good that there's blog articles and YouTube videos out there, but at the same time, having, if we had hundreds of our community members teaching as they learn, it's going to, it's going to have an exponential effect inside our Facebook community for others to learn from others who are learning. So it's totally very virtuous. Well, it's been this interesting thing. You know, we talk about the go-giver all the time. The reason Brian and I do this podcast is we're trying to, to give we're trying to give back to the community. We're trying to, to be generous. And we believe that by doing that, that it's good for us in the long run as well. And it feels great. I have grown more this year than probably any year in recent memory, especially business stuff. Yeah. 
but interpersonal stuff as well. A big piece of that, I'm positive, has been us leaning into the podcast over the course of the last year or so. That goes really well with with episode 102, where we talked about why you should start a podcast for your business. Yeah. You don't have to be the expert. We talked about in the podcast, you can learn, you can learn and then teach as you learn. And as long as you are just teaching at whatever whatever level you are, there's someone that is just behind you that will be happy to learn from you. Yeah. Well, and this brings up an interesting point. I thought I told you guys I was gonna bring this back up. Um, my career, I'm a mastering engineer. That's what I spend. Are you? Yes. <laughs> That's what I spend the majority of my time doing, and I love it. However, over the past couple months, uh, I've been doing the business coaching thing, and it's been awesome for a couple reasons. One, it's fun, but two, business is never anything, it's not something you master. Business is something that you will always be a student of, and it's about personal growth. It's about learning more things, but it's also about facing your inner demons and figuring out, oh, fear has held me back in this way. Uh, this lie that I believed because my teacher, Mrs. Newton in fifth grade, told me this total bullcrap thing, and I've carried that with me, and now I'm breaking through that. Or someone told me, oh, you're just not good at math, and I believed that there was nothing I could do about that. I had a fixed mindset. Coaching is one of these things for me that's been a blast for me to learn more about myself and more about business by helping other people. And it's been so healthy for me. To, I usually do it in the morning. It's about, I only spend about a couple hours a week doing it. But to sit down with somebody and say, I'm not going to think about my business right now. I'm just going to think about theirs. I'm just going to try to ask them great questions. I'm going to try to teach them what I know to help them level up, not just in their business, but personally as well, to figure out what's their, what are their hopes and dreams? What do they want their life to look like? And how can we build a business that's going to service that dream? So here's my pitch. Um, if you have been thinking about the business coaching thing with me, check out chrisgrammastering.com. Graham is G-R-A-H-A-M. I did update the page, Brian. It does work. <laughs> it oh, was down for a few hours a couple of days ago. But go to chrisgrammastering.com slash coaching. There's a really quick application. Um, we're relaunching that, uh, the coaching program, because I'm finally at a point with Bounce Butler where I have a little bit more free time. Um, so that involves hanging out at least once a month. Uh, that involves video chat uh, like over Marco Polo. It's, it's not really video chat. It's video messaging, and it involves email. Um, it's not as expensive as you might think. Most people that I'm working with, depending on the package they buy, they, they spend about 400 bucks a month, something like that. So if that's something that you're interested in, check it out, chrisgrammastering.com slash coaching. Um, I'm looking for more fun people to hang out with um, that I can help, but that I can grow personally as I'm helping you. So I got two things to add to that. Number one, uh, compared to my business coach that I had last year, which was $3,500 a month, Woo. that's a steal. Um, second of all, um, just making sure people don't make the same mistake that I made just now and before. If you don't put the two M's in Chris Graham mastering slash coaching, it will not work. You'll just get a blank white screen. So make sure you do the double M. Link in the, uh, link yep. in the description for that as well. Exactly. Just go to the show notes for all the stuff we talked about in this podcast. Yeah. Any, any last stuff as we. Yeah. I, I guess just on? one more thing with the business coaching thing. Oh, um, sure. There's a, there's an application for it. I'll only say yes to coaching you. If I think that you'll make a lot more than what I charge, that's it. So check it out. ChrisGrahamMatching.com slash coaching. Uh, you can apply. If it looks like we'd be a good fit, we'll schedule a phone call. Uh, and then from there, we'll decide where to go. So yeah, check it out. Sweet. Well, uh, I hope that this learning pyramid framework helps our listeners 
to retain the knowledge they're learning, not only from this podcast, but from the reading assignments we give out, from what they learn in our Facebook community. Because again, I, th- I think this is something I didn't really understand until we did this episode, until we taught this, which mm. is hilarious, <laughs> that this stuff can be stacked together. Reading with audiovisual, so you can read and listen at the same time, thanks to Audible Whisper Sync. Uh, demonstrating what you learn or discussing what you learn, then practicing and doing what you learn, and then teaching others what you learn. You can just about do all of these for one thing that you're learning if you're diligent about it. And I think that's that's something that I'm just now learning as as an entrepreneur and just an overall knowledge seeker that I can do all of these things and retain so much more than if I just read or if I just watch a video or just listen to an audio book. Well, so, let me go down a rabbit hole. The episode's pretty much over, but if you guys want to stick around for my nerdings out, um, I want to talk about a book I read a couple of years ago called Moonwalking with Einstein. And it really plays into this conversation today about how to optimize for retention. So mm- when you say moonwalking, is it like the Michael Jackson moonwalk yes. dance? Moonwalking okay. with Einstein. This is a book, if you guys have ever seen the BBC special Sherlock with Benedict Cumberbatch. and uh, I just started watching that like a few months ago. And I love that show. I want to say the first episode was trash or maybe the second one. One of the episodes was trash early on Stick and the rest it. have been inc- incredible. Yeah, it's I've, incredible. I've loved it so far. It gets better and better and better. Mm-hmm. In that show, Sherlock does this weird thing called a mind palace. A mind palace is this way where he retains a ridiculous amount of information. And it sounds like fiction when you're watching the show and you're like, you can't possibly remember all that stuff. Here's the thing. It's not fiction not fiction at all it used to be a normal part of an education was learning how to build a mind palace a mind palace is a really powerful thing that lets you memorize just about anything there's little kids uh who have used mind palacing to memorize pi you know that 3.14 yada 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 to like 100 digits and this book moonwalking with einstein um not like a it's not a business book it's just really damn interesting it's about mind palacing and the way that you mind palace is here's the thing the, the, the mind is a funny thing it is really really good at remembering specific locations and not so good at remembering any other type of information and the reason for that is that creatures living things need to remember where to get water food and to find mates so we're really good at it like a songbird like a small bird that you'd see flying around has the the mind capacity to remember about 10,000 different locations like 10,000 different places where they could get bird seed or a, a bath or water or whatever. So what you do to build a mind palace, and this book goes into great detail, is you take like your childhood home and you create images in your mind in the home that mean things. One of the things that's so cool in this book, I actually learned how to do it from reading this book, is I would take this place that we used to go called Birchcroft. It was like a vacation home that we went to for years and years and years. We recently sold it. And it was this huge house, enormous house. And I could take a, a deck of cards, shuffle it, and I could encode that information into really weird images that were related to, was it the king of spades? So I'd, I'd have an image of a king, so like Elvis, digging a hole with a spade. And I would put that at the beginning of the driveway of the way into this house. And what you could do is by using the methods in this book, you could pretty easily learn how to memorize an entire deck of shuffled cards. And I, I did it. It was crazy. How long did that take you? 
I imagine that would take me a while and you have to run through mm, a couple the weeks. path in your brain a lot to get that to sink in for me. Well, you had to figure out how to encode the information in a way that was sticky for you. So he would do shocking images. You know, sometimes they were violent or sometimes they were just weird and you would place them in rooms or in like, you know, transition spots in the house. And then you would just walk a path through the house and you would see these images that you would build, you kind of create a psychedelic experience for yourself and you can do crazy stuff. Now, a really great way to apply this in real life. I am really into uh, remembering people's names because I'm naturally the worst at it of anybody I've ever met in my life. Same. I'm so bad at it. But what I find, there's a place uh, down the street from my house called North Star Cafe. It's like my favorite restaurant on earth. Other than- You've only mentioned it like 35 times. It's in so podcast. good. It's like being in a business book. It's one of my favorite places on earth. And I love to meet people who work there and remember their name and then call them by name the next time I come in. And one of the ways that this book would recommend that you do that is if you're standing at the register and you're ordering your food, it's a cafe like that, and someone sa- someone's new and you say, oh, hi, I'm Chris, I'm a regular here. And they say, oh, hi, my name's Phil. I would create an image in that spot at the register of Phil, like taking my money, taking my order, and then behind him is Phil Collins, the drummer, playing the drum solo from I you know I can feel it in the air tonight that do 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 on Phil's head. So there's this image of Phil Collins playing the drums on Phil's head. So the next time I see Phil, first thing I'm gonna do is think where did I meet Phil? At the register. Okay, now I'm in my mind at the register. I'm I'm picturing Phil. Now what else is around Phil? Phil Collins playing the drum solo on Phil's head. This guy's name is Phil. You can retain so much information by associating a weird image with a location. And this book is absolutely mind blowing. It's so fascinating. A couple fun facts from that. One, you just taught, which helped you retain the knowledge. Uh, second, um, I was at a conference. I've told this story before on the podcast, but not everyone listens to every episode. I was at a conference in Dallas and there was a speaker there who was like a, uh, a memory expert. And he shook the hand and met like in the hallway out there, just about every single person at the conference. It was like 800 people. And he said, if I've shook your hand and you've told me your name in this room, stand up. And he was using mind palacing to remember hundreds of names. And he would just point and call the name out. And if he got it right, sit down. And every single person in the room sat down, except for one guy at the end. And I felt so bad because he was like, I'm sorry, you must not be memorable enough. And it was like this little nerdy guy. I was like, oh, you poor oh, dude. Oh, man. Yeah, I'm fascinated by this stuff. The human yeah. mind is so much more powerful than we give it credit for. And a book like this is cool because when you, when you read this book and you learn how to memorize cards like this, it's mind-blowing to be like, holy crap, this thing, this brain is way more powerful than I thought. Also, why the freaking crap didn't they teach me this in kindergarten? And instead made me like memorize all the names of the states just by repeating them again and again. So yet another reason why our education system uh, is in trouble because this sort of stuff, this mind palacing stuff back in the day, like in uh, Renaissance times, it was reading, writing, arithmetic and mind palacing. This was a normal skill. That's crazy to me. I, I, I almost don't believe it. But what was the book called again? Moonwalking with Moonwalking Elvis. with Einstein. Uh, and it, <laughs> Einstein. It, it's by Joshua Four. And and kind of a little bit of a giveaway. Moonwalking with Einstein is an image he created 
to put in a mind palace to help him remember something. Does that make sense? So visualize Einstein moonwalking in your childhood bedroom. That would help you remember something. One of the things I did, I'm not going to demonstrate it right now because I've probably forgotten some of it. I memorized all the presidents of the United States of America. And at one point in time, I, I had the years they were in office and whether they were, uh, like the, the number of years they were in office and whether they died in office. And Surely the, there's a better use for this, this sort of tool. <laughs> there is. It was just an experiment. But the fun thing about that is when you build a mind palace, it's just as easy to walk forwards through it as it is to walk backwards through it. Interesting. Fascinating stuff. Maybe I can finally say my ABCs backwards. If <laughs> Love it. All right, that's that's it for this episode. So you got a little book recommendation for you. Love you guys. Bye. So that is it for this episode of the Six Figure Home Studio Podcast. Some some takeaways here. Uh, one would be get a group of people together, get your friends together, someone who uh, is hopefully going the same direction as you as an audio professional, home studio owner, commercial studio owner, whatever it is that you do. Get them on Marco Polo, the app. Make a little either one-on-one or little small group of people who are like a mini mastermind. A Marco mastermind is what we're going to call them on the podcast. I'm coining that phrase right now. Marco mastermind. Create your own little Marco mastermind and then study through something together. Either it's a weekly discussion of these podcast episodes or you're going through a book together or all three of you are just going through your own separate books and you're sharing your takeaways from the book as you're learning it. I think this can be a really easy, simple way to implement a lot of the things we talked about on today's episode so that not only are you reading or hearing lectures or listening to an audio book or watching videos, but you're discussing those things as you learn them and you're teaching those things as you learn them. I think that'll help a lot when it comes to retaining the stuff that you are learning so that when it comes time to actually utilize the stuff you're learning, you will have no problem recalling instantly what that thing was. So that's my 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 challenge to you is go make a little Marco mastermind. And if you can't find one at all, just go to our Facebook community, the sixfigurehomestudio.com slash community. And uh, you can find people to join your little Marco masterminds in there. And it's a really good way just to have some, some people to talk to. And I think that this can be a really lonely industry sometimes, especially if you're a home studio owner. And especially if you're doing mixing or mastering where you're never really working in person with your clients. So this would be a good way to get some FaceTime with some other people who are just like you. So next week's episode, we don't, I'm not sure what it's going to be yet. We haven't recorded that one either. We are kind of like back to back on podcasts right now until we get caught up. Uh, might be some interviews. We've got some really cool people we've been talking to to get on the podcast for interviews. So uh, next week will be a big surprise if it's an interview or it'll be another topical episode just like this. Uh, so you can discuss it with your Marco mastermind that you're going to form this week, right? That's what you're going to do, please. Yes. Okay, cool. So that is it for this week. Until next time, uh, bright and early next Tuesday morning. Uh, when the next episode comes, thanks so much for listening and happy hustling. Whoa.